Um, we're uh, journeying most of the school year through the book of Acts. And if you have your Bible, you can uh, grab that. The uh, key uh, verse in the book of Acts is uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is the last words of Jesus just before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Um, and they're pretty uh, powerful, challenging words, okay? This is the very last words Jesus says before he exits planet Earth to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Here's what he says. But you, talking to the church, talking to the 120, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Note, look at verse 8. This is key to the, to the entire study. To witness. The, the reason we need the power is because we need to share and speak and be ambassadors for King Jesus. And, and it's the Holy Spirit that allows us, empowers us to speak and love and witness. And what is a witness? Think about it. Um, I'm here, and I'm just going to share what I've seen Jesus do in my life. You don't have to be a fancy theologian or this amazing apologist. All you need to do is just share what has Jesus done in your life. You're a witness of what Jesus has done in you, right? You've seen him do stuff? Well, just share. Here's what I've seen Jesus do in my life. That's what a witness is all about. Now, if you've got your Bible, go to chapter 2, because then the power comes... And the Holy Spirit fills the 120 people in the upper room, and they are empowered to speak. Isn't that interesting? They're empowered to speak about Jesus to people in languages they've never studied before. You see that in verses 7 to 12. So they're speaking in languages they never studied, and they're talking about the Lord. And then the apostle Peter, he uh, takes advantage, and he gives the very first sermon ever in all of church history. And guess what? Nobody falls asleep. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, they all stay awake. So that's a miracle in itself. Um, and, and by the way, those of you who sleep every Sunday, I do see you. You know that, right? <laughs> and sometimes you wonder why I call out certain names, you know, and, and okay, now you know. Okay, I'm, I'm watching. That's not always true. Some of you just sit on the end, right, Jeff? And that, you just get you... Yeah, you've never slept, have you? No, okay. Anyway, um, anyway, the first sermon and 3,000 people believe the message, receive Jesus as Savior, and then they go public. And how do you go public that you love Jesus and he's coming to your life? They, they all get baptized, and, and you see that. And then Acts chapter 3, the Lord empowers Peter and John, and this guy who's never walked in 40-plus years, he was born lame, paralyzed, unable to walk ever. Grab him by the hand. Jesus empowers them to, to say, come on, stand, leap, run. And, and everybody is amazed. And again, the church grows. Why? Because Peter used that miracle as an opportunity to share about the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ. And again, 2,000 more people are added to the church, chapter 3. In verse 4. Um, but then, listen close, the early church isn't happy. 
I mean, the early church begins to feel pressure, so they're not happy because uh, suddenly now they're making waves and everybody's excited and the Jewish leaders arrest Peter and John and then they threaten and they warn them. If you keep talking about Jesus, bad things are going to happen. And then they say, you may not talk about Jesus any longer. Chapter 4, verse 18. Okay, So you get pressure from the outside. That happens first. And then last week we saw the very first pressure and trouble from the inside, and that was in the form of a couple named, anybody remember their names from last week? Ananias and what? It was not a happy scene, was it? Uh, they wore their hypocrite masks. Uh, they decide we're going to put on the mask of, aren't we spiritual? Don't we look good? We're so generous. We're so wonderful. Everybody applaud us when it was really just a fraud and the result was that, what? They dropped dead in their tracks. <laughs> Very sobering. Uh, Lord sends a strong message. He's not into hypocrisy. He's not into playing religious games. Uh, and he makes a very strong statement there in Ananias and Sapphira. So the inside attack is stopped, and the church marches on. And the apostles are preaching and teaching and healing, and the crowds are huge, responding. And now go to chapter 5 and verse 17. I want you to see. So you have this outside pressure, then inside attack, and now in chapter 5 and verse 17, the Jewish leaders are again jealous and upset. They arrest the apostles, put them in jail, question, threatened. Chapter 5 and verse 40. We order you, no longer may you talk about Jesus. And then they beat them, they flog them, they whip them. And this is a pretty cool verse, chapter 5 and verse 41. So coming out of the Jewish high court, uh, they're bloody and they are rejoicing. Those two things don't normally go together, do they? But it does here. Uh, they're, they're, they're excited. We get to suffer in the name of Jesus. So, let me do a little quick review, okay? Uh, outside attack, Jewish leaders are really upset. Acts chapter 4. Inside attack, Ananias and Sapphira. Hypocrite mask, we're going to look spiritual, but it's really all just a big show. Uh, outside attack, Jewish leaders call them in, arrest them, jail them, beat them, chapter 5 and verse 40, okay? So we've got outside attack, inside attack, outside attack. Any guesses what's going to happen next? It's time for another inside attack, don't you think? Acts chapter 6 is where we pick up today. Acts chapter 6, we're going to stand together, read the first seven verses uh, of Acts chapter 6, and I would argue this is probably the most serious and potentially deadly attack yet. Acts 6 verses 1 to 7. Let's read out loud together. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. 
We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procornus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. And the principles here, Lord, are uh, relevant and practical and stuff we need today in your church in northern Michigan. So, Lord, show us clearly what it is that uh, you have to say to us from your book. Lord, uh, I recognize that we still have an enemy, and he still hates the church just like he did here in the book of Acts. And he's still doing everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. So, Lord, wake us up. Help us to be alert today. And, Lord, I pray that each of us would do our part not to give Satan a foothold where he can bring confusion and chaos and division like he tried to do here in Acts chapter 6. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit now, the third person of the Trinity, to have freedom in your church right now. May streams of living water flow in our lives. Lord, we invite your son Jesus to come and assume the place he deserves every day and every hour of every day. Lord, we invite your son Jesus to come and be king, master, Lord. May he uh, sit behind the steering wheel of our life. So uh, we're going to slide over and we're going to uh, invite your son Jesus to come and rule and reign personally, and we invite you to rule and reign here in your church in Walloon right now. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with joy, you may be seated. Uh, Satan's attack here, I think, was the cleverest yet. If he couldn't succeed by... Uh, having uh, the church persecuted by the Jewish leaders, if he couldn't succeed through the corruption and the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira, maybe the enemy could attack the unity and the love and all the good stuff going on in the early church here, okay? And, and he does that through murmuring and grumbling and complaining and criticizing one another. Might I say that down through church history, that's been one of his most effective weapons? If, if Satan can get us grumbling and complaining and murmuring and criticizing each other, he recognizes uh, our reputation, our love, our unity is damaged and destroyed, and suddenly now the power evaporates. And that's exactly what he's trying to do right here. Now, let's remember that this church is only a few weeks old here, okay? At most, a few months. 
You know, you could make an argument it's only a few weeks. Uh, some commentators say it's... But at most, Bob, it's only a few months old. So a brand new church, and now we know it went from 120 people there in Acts chapter 1 and 2 in the upper room. Now suddenly, if you go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 5, there's over 5,000 people who are part of the brand new church. So you, you talk about growing pains... They went from 120 people to over 5,000 people in just a few weeks or a few months, okay? Um, and now you see there's trouble on the horizon. And this happens a lot. God blesses and uses a church. Souls come to faith in Jesus. The church starts reaching out in its community. Missionaries are sent. Lives are changed. People are getting discipled. The church is growing. And then someone decides that they didn't get a big enough piece of ham at the Wednesday night meal. And there was a little kid behind them. Uh, they got a bigger piece. And, you know, I've been here, and I'm a pretty good giver here, and, and I'm active, and somebody's offended because they didn't get a big enough piece of ham. Uh, that's a true story, divided a huge church in Dallas. One of the leading members got a smaller piece of ham than one of the little kids behind him, took offense. The church split. Ham wars. True story, sadly. Um, someone is being neglected. Someone's not being appreciated for all that they do. Someone is offended by something that one of the leaders said, or someone is bitter because their child isn't being treated in the same way another child. Uh, and pretty soon, there's a fire, and it grows, and if it's not dealt with, that fire will spread, and bitter dissension is the result. You see the attack? It's likely the most serious of the attacks on the church yet. And uh, let's see how the leaders, the apostles, dealt with the complaint. Verse 1, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Roger and Karen, it all started in the food pantry. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. In the food pantry, uh, it all began. We know, we know that some of those who heard the good news about Jesus and the cross and his shed blood and the empty tomb were locals. We know that some of them were Hebrew-speaking Jews from the area, from in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas in Judea. Um, they traveled to Jerusalem, but they didn't have a long travel. They could probably go back and forth to their homes. Uh, they weren't that far away. So some of them were locals here. Um, but we also know, if you go back to chapter 2 and verses 8 to 11, you might want to hold your spot, but if you go back to chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11, where it talks about them speaking in languages they've never studied, um, it lists all the different parts of the the ancient world that were represented. Um, these are Jews who traveled from all over the Greek-speaking world. 
Uh, these folks all spoke the dominant language at this time was Greek. So from all over the Greek-speaking world, they came to Jerusalem. They were Jews, but they spoke Greek, and now they've come, and now they've come to faith in Jesus. Track with me. And now they've stayed on because they need to get discipled. They've come to faith, but they need to stick with the apostles longer, and they need to grow in their faith in Christ. Okay, they're not ready to go back home yet. So, it seems likely that the locals who spoke the language, they knew Hebrew, they knew the ins and outs of the city, um, they were getting cared pretty well for. Their widows were being taken care of, but the Greek-speaking widows who didn't speak the language, uh, they were a little confused by Hebrew and all that was going on. They lived in a strange city now. They weren't getting cared for very well. You understand? That's what's happening here. And now the murmuring and the complaining and the criticizing is happening here in the early church. It spreads. It grows. It's getting uglier. And I'll say this again, this is one of Satan's best tools. Let's, let's get followers of Jesus in a local church complaining and murmuring and criticizing one another. Criticize the leaders, criticize this program. Uh, and then you'll talk to each other, and then you get it, and then I'm going to pass it on to someone else. And the small fire, which usually starts small, grows and it becomes a blazing inferno if it's not dealt with. I want you to understand, uh, it seems likely the widows had a legitimate beef here. Understand? They had a legitimate problem, a, a real concern. But instead of going to the people who could fix it, instead of going to the apostles and saying, here's what's going on, instead of dealing with it that way, what do they do? They complain to one another. And the murmuring and the criticizing grows. And just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, here's what you need to know. A murmuring, complaining, critical spirit will destroy a church. If, if this wasn't dealt with quickly, this would have drained all of the energy, the power, the fruit out of the early church. And uh, when we murmur and we're discontent and we're critical and we're complaining and I'm not going to the person who's involved and can fix it, listen close, that's called sin. You understand? There's certain sins that tend to be acceptable in church. And sadly, this is one. It's okay to be a little whiny, a little, little complaining, and you notice every little thing that's just not right. No, it's one of the most deadly things that can happen to the life of any church, including the church here at Walloon. The early church was now being attacked from within. And to the apostles' credit, listen, they don't ignore it. That, that's, that's where it can... They finally hear about it. It's growing in the air. They hear about it, and now they deal with the situation. Verse 2, here's how they dealt with the complaint. They acted. So the twelve, that's the apostles, gathered 
all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. So the first thing the apostles do, what do they do? They call a congregational meeting. And uh, it probably was in the temple area because there really was no other place that over 5,000 people could congregate. There just weren't rooms or buildings that big other than the temple area, okay? So they call a congregational meeting. All the followers of Jesus Christ come together, and the first item on the agenda was this. Look at verse 2. The apostles say, we just want you to know we recognize there's a problem, but we are not going to be the solution to that problem. We just want to inform you that our calling and our gifting is to preach and teach the Word of God. The Lord Jesus has called each of us as apostles, and it would be displeasing to Jesus not to keep on doing the main thing. Okay? In other words, what they're saying is, we just want you to know the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, and we're called to preaching the Word and prayer, and that's not going to change. Well, that's an interesting announcement, don't you think? I uh, just want you to know, we realize there's a problem, uh, but, but we're not going to be the solution here. Um, now, there's no hint here. There's no hint that they're saying we're too good to wait on tables. They're not saying, oh, well, that's beneath us. We're, we're too important to wait on tables. No, what they were saying is, that's not what we're called to. That's not what our gifts are about. That's not what Jesus has gifted me with. I'm called, they're saying, to teach and preach and disciple and pray, and therefore I can't get off track here. The attack of the enemy here was twofold. Give me your attention here. First attack, get the church divided. Get the church mad at each other, complaining, criticizing, murmuring against each other. Second attack was this. Get the apostles off mission. Get the apostles, the leaders, focused on matters that are not their calling, that are not their gifting, that for them is not the main thing. Get them doing other stuff. Suddenly again, the church would have fallen and shrunk and the power would have gone away. So, so here's the solution. I, I like this, verse 3. Here's their solution that the apostles proposed. Verse 3, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, verse 4, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Take careful notice, okay, Jerry? Take careful notice of the qualifications. By the way, Jerry's not sleeping. Of those who would oversee the... Dis but I'm watching. If you, I'm telling you. I'm going I'm to nail you if you start sleeping on me today. Uh, qualifications for those who would oversee the distribution of food to the widows. Okay? What are they? Uh, verses 3 and 4. Here they are. First of all, um, they must be men. They must be... There's a very specific Greek word... Andros, and it's for Greek word for men. Okay, there's a different Greek word for women. It says, no, first of all, choose seven men. 
Secondly, they must be disciples, people from among you, genuine followers of Jesus from among you. Third qualification, you must have good reputations, good standing in the church, men known for their integrity. Fourth qualification, um, they must be solid spiritually. There must be evidence of the Holy Spirit in their life. You need to see fruit in their lives, the fruit of the Spirit regularly hanging from their lives. That's the, the fourth qualification. And finally, fifth, full of wisdom. What's that mean? Are you ready? This is kind of cool. The ability to take God's Word and apply it to everyday practical situations. That's wisdom. And when you're able to take God's Word and put it to practice in everyday, every li everyday life situations, that's a wise person. So, so they say, find godly, mature men full of wisdom in the Spirit, men of integrity, who can focus their attention on the widows here. And we as apostles, we're going to keep doing what we've been called to. They have a calling, and now we have a calling, and we're going to keep taking care of the discipling and the teaching and the preaching of God's Word and the praying and getting on our knees daily. And, and we're going to have two different sets of people. And verse 5 says this, This proposal pleased all 5,000 plus. They, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at him next. Also Philip. Uh, we're going to look at him next, Acts chapter 8. Uh, and then five guys, this is the only time they're ever listed in, in God's Word. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles. They prayed. They laid their hands on them. Uh, they identified with these, yes, we, we are sending them out to do that job. Go take care of the widows in this, this situation that could get bad in a hurry. Okay, Here, here's a key, okay? Listen, uh, they didn't just choose anybody. Sometimes we're so busy, and I know I've been guilty. We, we need to get this, per, this position filled. Uh, who can fog a mirror? Okay, you're qualified. Uh, and, and that's not what happened here. They chose the best. They chose the most godly men they could find. And here's what I like. When the men were chosen, they didn't grumble. Oh, man, now i got to take care and serve all these elderly widows. And they're grumbling and they're upset. They didn't grumble. Matter of fact, they served gladly and they served willingly. Isn't that good? About 15 years ago... Um, there was a little bit of grumbling, a little bit of murmuring going on here in the church at Walloon. Um, how many of you were here 15 years ago? Can I see your hands? Okay, now I want to see how many of you, I wasn't here 15 years ago. Okay, so this is a new story for you, okay? Because um, the church was growing by God's grace, and the dude who was leading the charge was not very organized, and he was not very good at details, and he was not really good at structure, or he, he doesn't even know how to, to build structure. That's even outside of his brain. Um, who am I talking about? Moi. Okay? Um, concern and apprehension was, would have continued to grow more murmuring and more, because honest, there was more than just widows 
getting neglected. Um, church board and the church body agreed, and the solution was we need to find the best, the most qualified person. We need somebody who can come and bring organization and structure and attention to detail here in the church. And we looked, and the very first person that was mentioned is the one who said, yep, the Lord said, I'm supposed to do that, and we hired Pastor Bob and Barb. Okay, isn't that cool? So that's a true story. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you can clap. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Here, here's the principle. If you're taking notes, here's, write this down. God calls each of us, all of his people, to ministry. But he calls different people to different ministries. Why? Because we're gifted differently. Make sense? We don't all do the same thing well. Your strength is probably not mine, and mine is probably not yours. Okay? Calls us all because he knows that each of us have different gifts and abilities, but he calls every one of us to serve in his church. So, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, then here's what you need to know. You're called to find your place to serve and get in the game. And it, it's going to be different, and the person sitting next to you is probably going to be called to a different area of ministry, but we all are called. It's essential to the operation of the body of Christ, the local church. And you see that right here in Acts chapter 6. Different people called to different ministries. Different callings, different talents, different abilities. But we all are called to a ministry. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, you're called to a ministry. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I know if you're a follower, then he's got a gift and a talent and a place for you to serve. Everyone, all of us, are called to ministry. Matter of fact, I want you to say it so you hear yourself. I am called to a ministry. That's true. See, now you heard yourself say it. Maybe you'll start believing it. <laughs> um, I really liked how the life application commentary summarized verses 1 to 6. And I think this has application for all of you. So uh, if you're awake and you're alert here and you've got a pen, a pencil, a crayon, a magic marker, I don't care what it is, uh, you might want to take notes because I think this uh, will work for you down the road. Um, they called this the ABCs of effective life management from the apostles. The ABCs of effective life management from the apostles. Hey, that's pretty good, right? Okay, so here's the A. A, assess your problem accurately. Okay? Assess your problem accurately. Uh, that's found in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. And here's the question. Are you attacking the right problem? Are you attacking the right problem? Uh, B, budget your time strategically. You see that in verses 2 and 4 of chapter 6. And here's the question with that. Uh, are your priorities right? C, choose leaders wisely. Verse 3 of chapter 6. Are you choosing and following biblically qualified leaders? And finally, D, distribute the load widely. 
verses 3, 5, and 6. And here's the questions. Are you delegating the load, and are you doing your part? Are you delegating, spreading it out, and are you doing your part? And the result of the apostles not ignoring the fire and hoping it goes out on its own. Did you know that most fires don't go out on their own? What happens with most fires once they get a hold? They grow. Okay, so they didn't ignore the fire, and yet they didn't say, well, I'm the solution to every problem here, and therefore we're going to quit teaching and preaching and praying, and we're going to get down in there and we'll take care of the widows. No, And, and they recognized that they needed to distribute the load widely, and the result of them dealing with this problem in a wise manner, look at verse 7. It's really good. There's like three results. First, verse 7, so the word of God spread. Why? Because the apostles could keep doing the main thing and making it the main thing. They could keep studying and praying and being ready to disciple and train and build up and reach the lost. Make sense? So the, the, the word of God spread. Um, and it would not have spread if they had not delegated and allowed these seven deacons, servants, to be raised up and use their gifts. Second result, verse 7, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Can I just say that, that when, when the Word of God is faithfully being taught and presented, that is the result. When people are given God's Word and they are challenged and they are taught well, uh, many more will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because God's plan is to use His book, okay? And filled with the Holy Spirit, they taught and they preached, and the number of disciples increased rapidly. Many more Jews were reached with the truth of Jesus. And this last one is kind of interesting. Verse 7, look how it ends. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Think about that. The guys who were in there sacrificing the animals, the the guys who were in there attending to all the duties, and there were hundreds and at times thousands of priests on duty, especially during feast times, their job was to take care of the temple and the sacrificial system. They heard the teaching and the preaching, and suddenly they recognized, you know what? This whole sacrificial system points to a Savior. And suddenly they connected the dots and they recognized, we've been sacrificing these lambs, but this Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Messiah, and many of the priests became followers of Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, two questions as we close, okay? Two questions for you to chew on. Um, Is it possible this morning that maybe just a little sliver of complaining and murmuring and critical spirit has taken hold in your life? I don't think Satan's strategies have changed that much. Is it possible that you're here today and you're upset with something going on here in church? Maybe you're upset with someone here at church. 
Maybe you're ticked off at moi. Uh, it happens. <laughs> Would you be willing to deal with that and not allow that sliver to take root and then grow and spread? Second question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ this morning? And if the answer is yes, what's your ministry? Where are you serving? What's your place here in the body? And if you don't have an answer to that question, the church, we're, the church is suffering because you're not in the game. We, we need all the members of the body to get in the game. We need all the members of the body to find their role in the body of Christ and to begin to serve in ministry. We're all called to ministry. Balcony, what's your ministry? And, and if you don't have an answer to that question, then it's time to start praying, Lord, show me where it is. I need to get in the game. We need all of you because we're all needed there are no unnecessary parts of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. It's practical. It's relevant. It's inspired. It's exactly what we need. So thank you for your book. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who might be here today who might have just a sliver, maybe just a small root of anger or bitterness, upset, little murmur, small complaint against someone. Lord, I, I'm praying that you might prompt each and every one of us to be willing to do whatever it takes to get that rid of our, out of our lives. Lord, show us, and then might we be willing to step out and do whatever it takes to see forgiveness and restoration happen. And Lord, I'm asking that that might begin today. And secondly, Lord, if there's anybody here who's a follower of your son Jesus and uh, they're not in the game, they're not using their gifts, their talents, their abilities, they don't have a ministry, Lord, make them hungry and passionate to get in the game. And now, Lord, as the uh, Haiti team makes their way down front, may we as your church send uh, these out as our representatives to the Haitian church in Derivaux. Lord, uh, help us now to uh, send them off and uh, put uh, our hands on them just as we saw they did in the book of Acts.